The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. I want to build Dan up because I'm about to talk about one of his weaknesses. (laughs) Dan is terrified of snakes. Like, I mean, he is absolutely, like, he's, he's wiggling back there because I said snakes. Like, he's looking around on the floor. Dan is, has such an unhealthy fear of snakes that if you have a, a fake toy snake and he knows it's a fake toy snake, he will leave the room. As a matter of fact, if we got one out and we threw it back there, he would get up, he would leave church, and we might not ever see Dan again. Like, he may never come back here. So Dan is over the top in his fear of snakes. And so like, we look at that and go, that's, that's kind of strange, man. Like, I, I don't like snakes. I mean, if I'm walking out in the woods, I remember Jonah and I were turkey hunting one morning, and, and we walked, and this snake come by the road, and Jonah almost stepped on it. And it just freaks me out when I see a real snake out in the woods. It just kind of startles me. But I, I'm not, like, I'm not, like I kind of get over it pretty quick. And it doesn't, like, shake me to the core. Um, and so Dan, with his, uh, his view of snakes, even a toy snake, is really unhealthy. And so it's like, it's hard to get my mind wrapped around that. That is what the devil has done and made it like for most of us when it comes to sharing the gospel. We're terrified of it. We're terrified of inviting people to church or even talking about our faith because we think, oh man, that's that religion thing. you got to put it over here in the box. Well, first of all, I don't care anything about the religion thing. What I care about is a relationship with Jesus Christ and what is the truth. And in my relationship with Christ, it is the foundation of everything that I am. And so there ought not be any fear that's happening inside of me to be vocal about what I believe. As a matter of fact, I ought to be afraid not to um, share what the good news that is going on inside of my life and how the gospel has totally, um, radically changed all everything about me. And so, the, but the, it's interesting that we all have to deal with and battle this this thing, um, this fear of sharing our faith, inviting friends to church, and and I, I and I'm, I, I'm I'm just so thankful today that we land this series totally unplanned by me, but we land this series talking about spiritual warfare. Um, and, and we've kind of worked all the way through the book of Ephesians, and the Lord has told us um, in this incredible book to the church in the Bible that, that, man, we have all of this spiritual wealth, the spiritual blessings of Christ are available to us because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, and we have received salvation and forgiveness of our sins when we confess him as Lord and Savior. So we spend, you know, several months unpacking this, these six chapters in the Bible about the spiritual wealth that is available to us and all of the power and so on and so forth. And, and then we, we come to this incredible passage here in, in chapter six, where we started learning about the, the schemes of the enemy, that there's a real enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I'm not going to take time to unpack all of the armor of God today. We've done that on several occasions. But I do think it's important for us to kind of to set the tone for what I think Paul is trying to say. Because this is the famous passage of Scripture. And we kind of we hone in on verses 10 through 17. So let's just kind of look at what it says and, and, and talk a little bit about why it captivates our attention. It says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, in His mighty power. 
And so finally, after all of this spiritual wealth, all of this stuff that I've talked about to you, that, that, that you have the power and, and what you possess as a believer in Christ, and then practically, because of all of those promises, how it works out in your relationships. And then he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so that tells us that there's a scheme out there. there. There's a spiritual enemy that is laying down schemes to try to trip us up. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So every decision we make is a spiritual decision. It's influenced by spiritual power. The scripture is teaching us that very, very clearly here. He says, so then he goes on and he says, therefore... Because you're in this struggle against a spiritual enemy that you cannot see, that opposes everything that is pro-gospel, that is pro-Jesus. And so that's why it's hard for us to share our faith. There's an enemy out there that is challenging us, accusing us, telling us we're not worthy, we're not good enough, which we aren't, but we don't stand on that. Paul has been saying we stand on the righteousness of Christ, the wealth of Christ. We don't share our faith based upon all that we've done and who we are. We share our faith on all that Jesus has done and all who he is. He is, and as we begin to understand that, then our courage increases. So he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Now, what's cool about that is this is what the Lord is wearing. It's like, put on the full armor of God. This is how the God, the God that we worship, Jesus, dresses. This is what we see in Christ. Put on the same thing that the Lord is wearing so that when the day of evil comes and hell throws everything it has at you, when it comes, you may be able to stand your guard. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. He says, like, take a stand against all of this evil that is coming against you. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So what's that mean? Well, it means that the truth of the word of God is what holds everything together. The Roman warrior, as he dressed, and Paul most likely was looking at a Roman warrior as he was under house arrest and chained to a guard during this period of his life, and he's writing this from a place, he's in prison, if you will, he's under lock and key, and so the guard was charged to him, he's probably looking at the guy, and he sees his belt, and the belt for a Roman soldier held everything together, um, and so he says, Stand your ground, and after you've done everything, stand firm then with the belt of truth um, buckled around your waist. And so what's going to hold your life all together is the truth of the Word of God. That's why I'm always trying to teach you and challenge you to be in the Word. It is the belt of truth. It is what holds your life together. It is not religion that holds your life together. It is not your church that holds your life together. It is the truth of the Word of God. So being in the Word is what helps you to keep everything together as you stand against this enemy who's trying to lay down a scheme against you. Then he says, um, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Well, what's that about? Well, the breastplate, obviously a chain of mail or some sort of metal guard that would um, protect the um, all of the vital organs of the enemy. I mean, you get cut in the arm, even if your arm gets cut off, you can still live. But if you get uh, a sword thrust through your heart, 
it's over for you, okay? And so there's a breastplate of righteousness. Spiritually, what, that, what does that mean? It means that the enemy is constantly going to accuse you because of all of the failure that you experience in life. But again, I want to remind you <laughs> that you don't stand on your righteousness. You stand on the righteousness of Christ. That's why he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we have the breastplate of righteousness that covers us from our inadequacies and our weaknesses and our failures and the sin, um, both past, present, and future. We are covered by the righteousness of Christ. And so we're told by Paul to put that breastplate of righteousness on. And then he goes on and he says, um, and, and with your feet fitted with the readiness, and this is really important. Think of all these descriptive terms. Your feet fitted, you're supposed to take a stand against the devil's schemes with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Where does the readiness come from? The gospel itself. These shoes that he was um, referring to as he probably is looking at the Roman soldier had cleats in them, steel spikes, like a, a baseball player's shoes so that you're, you have a, a greater footing and agility. And, and one of the things that made the Roman army so powerful is how much they invested in the footwear of the soldier to be able to move fast, to be able to move across rough terrain and uh, to be able to get into battle and stand his ground. And so Paul is saying, listen, like stand firm and be ready with your feet fitted with, the, 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 with that, that, that solid, firm ground um, that comes from the shoes of the gospel. And so be ready to share the gospel. See, do you see the scheme, guys? Like, do you see the scheme? You're terrified to share your faith and talk about who you are in Christ because the enemy has laid out a scheme and told you that's not what we do in America. And that's why we don't do it. And that's why churches aren't experiencing the incredible blessing of the Lord Christ to come down and move through them and seeing people come into the kingdom by incredible numbers because we're not standing firm with the readiness of the gospel. That's what this whole chapter is about. And, we, and we've kind of carved it out, and certainly it applies in many different ways, but we kind of carve it out that, that anytime something bad happens to me, I just got to go and understand that I'm under an attack. Well, this, to me, as I unpack it and exegete the text, it seems to me that it's implying that I am a warrior in the kingdom of Christ, and this is all applicable to me as I share the truth of the word of God as my feet are clad with the gospel itself. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel. It is not just for the preacher to proclaim the gospel. All of us are to be proclaiming the gospel. And so this is where he's, he's kind of leading us. And he says, um, in addition to all this, like in addition to all of these things that, that God has equipped for you, that God himself has wore, that Jesus has purchased for us, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so the enemy is trying to take us out and uses this idea of these flaming arrows and he's trying to pierce us, but we have the shield of faith in order to take these other things that I've just described and hold them up over our lives and realize this is what the Lord has equipped me and um, outfitted me with so that I can move in this battle to courageously share what it is that he's asked me to share. And so um, it will extinguish the enemy's attacks upon me. And then finally he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so that salvation that has come through the cross 
of Calvary. It goes over to protect my mind, to keep me thinking correctly. And I have the word of God to keep my mind focused on the truth of God, which holds it all together. And I use all of these things together in order to move forward and advance the kingdom of Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It was always spiritual for Jesus. Jesus said that um, by your fruits you shall know them. Jesus said that um, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me and I give it to you to what? Go and make disciples. Well, you can't make a disciple if you're not willing to share the gospel. Like we got to, people got to understand what does it mean to come into the kingdom? It doesn't mean go to a particular church. It means that you understand the gospel. And so like, we, we have to realize there is a call on our lives to share the gospel. And so when we unpack all of that and we, like, we get to this place, well, why are we so afraid to do this? Why is it so difficult for us to do it? Why, why, does it, why do we have an unhealthy fear of it? Like, if I just ask you, man, when's the last time you talked about the gospel with someone in your life that it wasn't at church? Like, can you, do you even know? Do you remember? Have you ever done it? And so this is not to beat you up. This is to try to help you understand why you're not doing it. There's a scheme laid out that's trying to keep you from doing it. Because when you begin to do it and when you get really serious about following the Lord in this capacity, remember that authority that Jesus talked about in the Great Commission? All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me and I give it to you to what? To go make disciples. And so when you get serious about it, that authority is dispensed down in your life and you become a conduit for the power of the Holy Spirit to be um, lived out and poured out upon the planet. That's why Jesus says when you pray, uh, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in heaven, which is where the first three chapters of um, Ephesians talks about. All our spiritual blessings are in heaven. Your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. How do we do that? We live out the, authority, the, the principles that bring the authority in our lives to make disciples. So we can't do it unless we're trying to make disciples. And you can't make a disciple unless you're w- willing to share the gospel. Yet the enemy has laid out a scheme. He has us terrified that we won't even invite our friends to church and let alone share the gospel with them because we're terrified like Dan is terrified of snakes. Right? So, so the big idea of today's talk is don't be like Dan. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) Um, And so, like, we look at this and we go, okay, how do we overcome our fear and serve the gospel boldly? Remember, we learned, and I'll touch on this again here in a moment, but we're to serve the gospel. Diakonos was the Greek word. We're table waiters. We're serving. Just like the waiter comes to our table and he says, what would you like to have to drink today? You know are you ready to place your order? And, and he serves us our meal. We are to serve the gospel to people we come in contact with in, in that capacity. We're looking to serve them the gospel. And so how do we overcome the fear in order to be able to do that? Well, Paul teaches us after he lays out all of this, this weaponry and this, this armor that we have in order to engage the battle. And he tells us that there's an enemy trying to stop us laying out a scheme How do we overcome the fear in order to engage it? Well, he starts in verse 18. And he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, 
words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That's so, so it's like prayer is how we overcome the fear. So Paul is even saying, the apostle Paul is even saying, man, I understand that the enemy lays out a scheme and he, he tries to terrify me and keep me from opening my mouth and proclaiming this good news and sharing the hope of what's happened to me in my life with the entire world. And so he's saying, pray for all the saints. Pray for me that we will fearlessly make known um, the gospel that has set us free. So prayer is the key to overcoming our fear of sharing the gospel. If we are not praying, we are not sharing. The only way we will come to a point where we begin to have the courage to share our faith and to, to, to just and share our, our journey, even what it's like to be a part of a local church, is when we begin to pray. And so when the Lord says we need to pray, what he's doing is he is inviting us to draw on his wealth. Here's a remarkable thing about the disciples. If you study the disciples, they never did ask Jesus to teach them to preach. Never said, they never did ask Jesus to teach them to sing. They never did ask them to Jesus to teach them to do anything but this one thing, pray. Like they watched him and they was like, Lord, teach us to pray like you do. Because they realized that he was drawing on the power of the Father. And so as we unpack Ephesians and we see all of the spiritual wealth, what Paul is doing through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit is he's written this fascinating look into how the kingdom of heaven works. And he's saying, look, this is how Jesus lived his life. And so they watched as Jesus drew on the Like he never did anything without looking to the Father in prayer first. Now, did he need to do that? No, because he was the Father. Like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the entire doctrine of the Trinity is wrapped up in, 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 in the identity of who Christ is. Jesus is every much as God the Son as he is God the Father and as he is God the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so he didn't need to pray because he was like he was God. So why did he pray? Because he chose to live in the flesh and take on a human form. We call this in theology the hypostatic union of deity and humanity. Everything that was in Jesus was God, and everything that was in Jesus was man, just like you're looking at a man right now. But he was without sin. And so he did it to show us as a model how we are to live. And so he's showing us how do you overcome your fear? How do you live your life? You, you seek the kingdom first through prayer. And so he's inviting us to draw on all of the wealth that was described in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. And so here's, here's what we learn. Dear church, very simply, prayer is talking to the Lord. The girls often, some of the girls, when I leave the house on Sunday morning, I, I leave it a little earlier than Abby does. And, and so they'll say, hey, I, I want to ride with you. And so Abby had, or Faith had a sleepover and had a couple of friends stay the night last night. And, and uh, <laughs> they're here. Hello, girls. You made the sermon. <laughs> and so um, they, they said, um, they said uh, one of them said, well, um, I want to ride shotgun. And I was like, okay. And it was Kira. And, and so, uh, so she said, I want to ride shotgun. And so we're on our, on our way to church. And, and so they said, what are you talking about today? I said, I'm talking about prayer. And I look over at Kira. I said, you know how to pray. And her eyes got real big. And I said, you're the one that run to ride shotgun. This is what it's like to ride shotgun. 
Like, we're going to make disciples in this truck. And so I started to talk to her uh, about prayer a little bit. And so prayer, very simply, is talking to the Lord. You, you, so a lot of people say, well, that's just too simple. Like, we, like so whenever someone tells you to pray, all that means is talk to the Lord. And so the, 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 often people say, well, I, wanna, I want something a little bit deeper than that. And that's really part of our problem is we want to get so deep that we don't know what we're doing. And prayer is just simply a communication with the Lord. He, it's, it's, it's talking to the Lord, communicating with the creator of everything and just having a conversation with him. And, and it's, it's not part of the natural man to pray. That's why it's hard work for you to do is that naturally... You're not inclined to do that. Naturally, you are inclined to talk to people. So when you have a problem, when you get anxious about something, the first thing you want to do is pick up the phone and call somebody. When something good happens in your life, you are inclined to pick up the phone and call somebody or get on Facebook and post or, or, or on Instagram and, and share. That's what you're inclined to do. You have to train yourself to live from the supernatural. And before you do any of those things, you turn to the Lord and have a conversation with Him. You thank Him for what He just did in your life. You talk to Him about what is making you anxious at this particular period. I am not in any way, shape, or form saying you don't talk to people about things that make you anxious in life. What I am saying, though, is talk to the Lord before you talk to people. And that's what we need to do because he is Lord of the situation. And sometimes he can work us through a moment and we don't need to talk to other people. Sometimes we do need to talk to people and he will show us who it is that we need to have that conversation with. And so we, we, we need to understand that prayer is just simply talking to the Lord and realizing that we are willing to spend hours a day talking to people. And it's difficult for us to spend a minute a day talking to the Lord. Why? Why is it so hard for us to talk to the Lord? Because it is a supernatural experience. And when you engage in it, supernatural things will happen in your life. And the power of the Lord will start being poured out in your life. And it's hard for you to do, specifically as the word is teaching us, the enemy is laying out a scheme to try to keep you from doing it. Like he doesn't want you doing it. Because when you start doing it, heaven is going to open up in your life. And kingdom, the kingdom is going to start breaking out around you. And it's going, to, it's going to take you in places that you would have never gone before. And you're going to do things that you never would have done before. Because now you're communicating with the creator of the universe. And through the word and through um, prayer and through the, the, the Holy Spirit giving you discernment and recognizing what he wants, you begin to navigate through life and heaven opens up for you. And so some people think that prayer is persuading um, God to change things like I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to get him to change things that's not what prayer is Here, here's the second thing I would share with you dear church don't pray to change things pray to change yourself and then you will change things right. Like ask the Lord to change you so that he can get you in the place that you need to be to do what it is that you need to do prayer is not getting God to conform to us prayer is conforming ourselves to God and in that conversation with the Lord we begin to see all of the things in our lives that are not like God we start seeing how much different God is than us and we are God I gotta I gotta conform this area over here there's something broken in my life right here I'm not yielding this to the Lord here's the thing about prayer when it comes to prayer and sin in your life there are two options you either begin to pray about the sin and you will stop doing the sin or you will quit praying about it 
because you, you can't handle it. Because you, you, your heart will begin to get hard toward the thing that the Lord is asking you to do. So you just push aside prayer and you try to pray about other things in your life. Sometimes you feel like, man, the Lord is not, he's not moving. I've been praying and the Lord is not moving. Heaven's not opened up in my life and I, I talk to God all the time. But maybe as you're talking to the Lord, you're doing all the talking and none of the listening. And as he says, I want you to step in obedience into this thing right here. You can't get the next bit of divine information from heaven because you won't step into the information that you've already been given. And so the Lord is he's, he's constantly challenging us with things. I'm, I'm excited this weekend um, because some people are, are getting baptized that, that I think have been holding on to it for a while. And they're stepping into it. And, and I can tell that they're, they're listening to what the Lord is impressing upon their hearts. And I, that's a huge thing, man, because as you step into that obedience, the Lord begins to show you the next thing that needs to, to uh, take place in, in your life. And so if you're a candidate for baptism, you know what you need to do? You need to quit being afraid. You need to listen to the Lord. You need to get a connection card out, fill it out, drop it in the offering and say, I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized next week. What is preventing you from it? That's a good question, man. If you believe in Jesus and you've never walked that out in your life, why? Why is it hard? Why are you not yielding in it? Because the enemy is laying out a scheme that's got you confused. That's exactly why. It's why we don't walk out our obedience. And so in that conversation to the Lord, the Lord begins to show us the things that he wants us to do. Now, um, so when should we pray? Should you pray in the morning? Should you pray at noon? Or should should you pray at night? Well, verse 18 says we should pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers for all the saints. And the key is all. Okay? Jesus wants us to bombard heaven with our prayers. He wants us consistently calling upon him. In a war, an army doesn't just fire one shell. That's why they call it carpet bombing. Bombing. When the Air Force comes over, man, they start bombing a place. They just carpet bomb it. And, and so they pound it with repeated fire. So Paul tells us to pray with all kinds of prayer. In the Bible, there are all kinds of postures for prayer. We have standing, kneeling, lying, walking, thanksgiving, praise, supplication, intercession, all of these different things going on for prayer. So there's all kinds of um, types of prayer. You should commit this verse to memory. Um, it's a pretty easy one if you've never memorized scripture. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. What's that mean? It means we never quit having the conversation with the Lord. There are moments in the morning, as I did this morning, where I will have an, an intense abide time that is focused. Let's, let's call that maybe a, like a cruise missile. It is targeted on the things that I know I need to talk to the Lord about. And so I, I intentionally carve out abide time in my life where I'm meeting with the Lord. But I never quit talking to the Lord. Like right now in this moment, as I'm preaching the word of God to you, I am thinking about the Lord. I am not doing this in my own power and strength. It is the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit as I pray in my mind, Lord, help me speak to your people the truth that will set them free. And so as I'm walking through life on a daily basis, whether I'm walking in the quick trip, I'm walking in lifetime, I'm I'm constantly thinking about the Lord. I'm praying without ceasing. I never leave the conversation of the Lord. You cannot compartmentalize your faith or it will break down on you in no time. 
if you constantly stay in a conversation with the Lord, whenever you're tempted by sin, you will begin to talk to the Lord about it, and you will be able to overcome that sin that the enemy is trying to trip you up with. That's how you do it. It's just simple. It's a very simple thing. It's constantly keep the Lord in your, in your, on your mind and, and constantly be having a, a conversation with him. If you're one of those intelligent people, they say intelligent people talk to themselves, right? Anybody do that in here? Raise your hand. Okay. I talk to myself, but I learned a long time ago, quit talking to Jimmy and talk to Jesus. And so now I don't talk to myself anymore. I talk to Jesus. These are conversations. Like when I find myself talking to myself, I usually find myself hearing Jesus say, uh, you need to quit talking bad about that person. <laughs> right? Like I'm giving the person the what for. I'll tell you what. You think the person's going to do that? I'll tell you what. I just, man, I could tell somebody off of my truck. I can't believe. And the Lord will get a hold of me, and I'll start talking to Jesus, and then I'll start going, man, what? That, that person probably doesn't even know the Lord. They probably, I mean, what's going on? They may be going through a terrible time in their life, and here I am, like, I'm all bent out of shape over something that doesn't even matter. And so, like, that's how we do it. It's like we have to keep that conversation going with the Lord, and he will enter into it. And I think that's what prayer without ceasing means. So, dear church, don't pray to change things. Pray to change yourself, and then you will change things. Here's the next point. Dear church, pray all kinds of prayers all the time. That's what Paul says, us, says to us. To grow spiritually, prayer cannot be an addendum to our week. It must be the controlling agenda of our lives. Pray when we feel like it. Pray when we don't. Anyone who is serious about prayer can tell you that it is work. It is work whenever we get really focused and we're going to go, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start trying to spend the first 30 minutes and, and first hour of my day talking to the Lord. And some people say, man, I could never pray for an hour. Man, if you discipline yourself and you start talking to the Lord, you can get in a conversation with the Lord about things that, that you're trying to get direction on, and you'll look up and you'll spend over an hour, and it'll go by just like that. It's like talking to someone that you enjoy the conversation with. If like, time can get away from you, that's what prayer is supposed to be like uh, for us. And so we're, we're praying all kinds of prayer all the time. Why does the Lord want us to pray? Because when you pray, you enter a different realm. You enter into the heavenlies, and it gives you a different perspective. Um, I recently, these trips, I had to fly a little bit. And so one of the most like, stressful things is when you show up to the airport and you're running a little late. And you're just like, oh, I, got, I got to get through security. I hope there's not a big line. And you get through the line, man, and, and you go through the security, and you finally get there, and you're sitting there, and you're waiting. To, and you barely get it on the plane. You, you, you just kind of slide right in there. And all of a sudden, the plane takes off and once it gets in the air I mean it's so loud the plane is so loud planes feel like they're gonna fall apart when they're taking off man just blah, blah, blah. I'm like what am I doing in this thing man and then all of a sudden it gets up in the air and and like they use all that fuel in the beginning and finally it gets to a cruising altitude and, whew, and you're like whoa and you gotta look around and all this chaos and you look down and it's like man looks like a puzzle down there Nice little circles the farmers got in his irrigation. There, there's a lake right there, and there's a, there's a stream. Like everything looks like it was just put together, and it's so peaceful. So that's what it's like to look at things from the Lord's point of view. Like our lives sometimes feel like we're rushing through the airport, and when we get into a time of concentrated, focused prayer with the Lord. It allows us to get above things and look down and see how orchestrated everything really is in our lives because we know the one who's in control. 
And so, that, dear church, pray to develop a divine perspective. Um, our problem is, is that we've, we've been on the ground too long. And when you stay on the ground too long, you start operating by the wisdom of the world. And James tells us in James chapter 3, verse 15, that the wisdom below is demonic. And, and we're subject to that. Those are the schemes that are being laid out for us. And so the only way you can find the wisdom from above is by communicating with heaven. And when you know Jesus, you can call to him and go to him and talk to him with authority. John chapter 15, verse 16, the famous passage on abiding. This is what Jesus said. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus, you're having these conversations. The authority of the Lord comes and God begins to move in your life. So here's the big idea of today's talk. Dear church, be fearless. Be fearless. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.